Welcome again. This is Dr. Chuck McGathy from Madison's First Baptist Church. This is the homily that I will be presenting on the second Sunday of Advent in the year 2022. It seems like we have come on a long journey. And so I once again welcome you as you journey along with us through this medium called podcasting. Our website is easy, www.firstbaptistchurchofmadison.weebly.com. I would encourage you to connect with your church family, and you can do that through www.firstbaptistchurchofmadison.weebly.com. The message this morning comes from the Gospel according to Matthew. Chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God. for The kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locust and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptized, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe for we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be a slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Today is the second Sunday of Advent. It is a season in the church year when we sense change and have anticipation. The green of Pentecost is replaced by the royal blue of Advent. Candles are lit to signify the meaning of each week as we look in faith toward the coming of the Lord. And oh, how we need to be reminded, especially this time of year, of the one who came to deliver us from darkness and sin. Our scripture passage this morning is about one who also longed for the coming of the Savior. His name was John. He made a huge impact through his preaching of preparation and repentance, but his story goes on. We join his story in the darkest season of his life. It is recorded for us in Matthew's 
11th chapter, verses 2 through 11. John was in prison when he heard what Christ was doing. So John sent some of his followers to ask Jesus, Are you the one we should be looking for, or must we wait for someone else? Jesus answered, Go tell John what you have heard and seen. The blind are now able to see, and the lame can walk. People with leprosy are being healed and the deaf can hear. The dead are raised to life and the poor are hearing the good news. God will bless everyone who doesn't reject me because of what I do. It wasn't just the baptizer's question, it was their question as well. The two followers of the one known as John the Baptist made their way along the stony path that led to the rabbi that their teacher so often spoke about. They had a task to accomplish. They must get to the one named Jesus. Only he could supply the answer to their most troubling question. John, the baptizer, and his message had enthralled them. His message reached the common man and woman. It was a vision of justice, of vindication, and of hope in the one who was to come. The whole nation knew the ancient scriptures that promised God's redemption through a Messiah, a deliverer. He was the one the prophet Isaiah had spoken of when he said, He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate among the people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. John spoke a powerful word of hope for all the people. But John also spoke fearlessly against the evil that polluted the land of his fathers. It wasn't just the evil of the occupying Roman army. It was deeper, more insidious than that. It was the cooperation given by the religious leaders to the community of the outsiders, the vile heathens who had invaded their ancient monotheistic culture. Instead of worshiping the one true God, these pagan occupiers incorporated every god into their pantheon of deities. They lacked standards. They never met a God they didn't like except Jehovah. He demanded that no other gods be worshipped but him. Nevertheless, the religious leaders, the toadies of the high priest himself appointed by the Romans, had given themselves to try and walk a fine line, appeasing the Romans while attempting to preserve their own religious practices. Consequently, they were on guard, always vigilant, lest some new holy man rise the volatile masses. Regularly, they gathered on the edges of the crowds that had come out to hear John. They got close enough to hear him, but not nearly close enough to get their feet wet. John wasn't fooled by their presence. He would pause as he was baptizing, point a bony finger their way and scream, you brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? John wasn't telling them to go away. He wasn't telling them he wouldn't baptize them. He was insisting that they come into the river for the right reason. Though the Bible doesn't say how they responded, we must conclude that many, perhaps most of them, shook the dust from their feet and returned to Jerusalem to report to the high priest. Yes, John had a way of 
collecting enemies. None, however, was more evil and more dangerous than Herod. Not even considered a Judean, Herod was the despised Idumean who was kept in power by the Romans. His job was to hold down revolt and ensure that Caesar got all of his taxes collected and on time. It was insulting to the people that he claimed for himself the title, the King of the Jews. Most people hated Herod. He made a mockery of their religion. He even publicly took his brother's wife as his own. The religious leaders silently grumbled, but they held their tongues in fear of this dangerous and wicked man. But John, John wasn't afraid. And if he was, he sure didn't show it. The Baptist took Herod by the ear when he called his actions exactly what they were, wicked, evil, sinful. For his efforts, John was thrown into prison in a dark, dank hole in Herod's fortress. He could speak to his disciples only when they could creep close enough to communicate to their leader. It was a misery for John. John the Baptist was a passionate man. He felt things deeply and never attempted to hide his emotions. As such, his followers could sense his questions. They could feel his doubts. John must have pondered his situation and wondered when the wrath of God would fall. And so he sent his friends to ask Jesus what he had in mind. He wanted to know for sure. Was he really the one foretold in scriptures, the Lamb of God who had come to take away the sin of the world, or should they look for another? Surely John, suffering in Herod's prison, anticipated that the Messiah, his cousin Jesus, would quickly establish his kingdom, and justice would flow like a mighty stream, carrying away the evildoers. And so, as he languished, he wondered when, if ever, Jesus was going to act. John sensed his time running out like sands through an hourglass. His question was born out of such duress. Was Jesus the one or should he look for another? Jesus wasn't upset by his cousin's questions. He took the opportunity to turn it into a positive teaching moment. He doesn't try to defend himself. He doesn't chide John or the ones he sent for their faltering faith. He doesn't engage in some lofty intellectual argument to verify his messianic credentials. Instead, he simply asks them to go tell John what he's done. For simple eloquence, Jesus' response cannot be matched. The blind can see. The lame can walk, the sick are healed, the deaf can hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them. The response of Jesus was a fulfillment of the prophecies of Isaiah. John knew the scripture well. The actions of Jesus spoke far louder than any words could ever have done. Then Jesus said something to the crowd gathered around him. He praised his cousin John. The gospel according to Matthew records it this way. As John's followers who were going away, Jesus spoke to the crowds about John. What sort of person did you go out into the desert to see? Was he like tall grass blown about by the wind? What kind of man did you go out to see? Was he someone dressed in fine clothes? People who dress like that live in the king's palace. What did you really go out to see? Was he a prophet? He certainly was. I tell you that he was more than a prophet. 
In the scriptures, God says about him, I am sending my messenger ahead of you to get things ready for you. I tell you that no one ever born on this earth is greater than John the Baptist. But whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Jesus then and there acknowledged John's courage. His faithfulness and character were like an oak planted by a stream. There was no question that John was uncompromised. He was not in the hire of the rich. His faith in the end did not blow away like the chaff. His message was undefiled. John was more than a prophet. He was the Elijah, the one who would announce the day of the Lord. Finally, in this scripture, Jesus gives the key, the idea that will unlock the mystery of John's question. It has to do with paradox. He indicates that there is someone who is least in the kingdom of heaven, who is also the greatest. It is a vision of the cross. There at Calvary, Jesus became the sin of us all as he hung on a Roman death machine. He was cursed and became a sacrifice for all humanity. The greatest became the least. It explains why the Messiah didn't destroy the evil and wicked because he came to save them, because he came to save us. Yes, Jesus, the chosen one has come and sin and death were destroyed by the least, the servant of all. But Jesus is also the greatest. He's the firstborn of the dead, the one who set right the wrong that separated us from God. He is the one who will rule. He is the word of God. Go tell John. Go tell Sally and Harry and Dave. Go tell whoever you meet what you have seen and heard. The world has been given a great light. We have been witness to it. We have seen changed lives starting with our own. We have received sight and learned how to walk and our ears have been opened. We have been brought back to life by his resurrection power. We have heard the good news. Just like John's disciples, we too are given a job to do. Go and tell, share his love. Let us pray. Lord, you have given us new life so that we may testify of you. Open our eyes so that we may see those in need. Open our ears so that we may hear their cries of hopelessness. Turn our lip into a strong march of faith and courage. Help us like John the Baptist announced the good news has come among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.